The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. Amen. We're going to start reading at verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. I just wrote, read a part of chapter 6. We are going to continue in our lesson on the practicality, amen, of Matthew chapter 6. Amen. amen. Part 2. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> amen.
Practicality, amen, of Matthew chapter 6. The saints of God, we find our place in our text today after doing an exposition, amen, on verses 1, if you will, amen, through 21. We were left at the end of our lesson on last Sunday, amen, seeing that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Or another way to say it, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because really your heart follows what you treasure. So the master said, don't you treasure things down here on earth. Don't get caught up in this temporary uh, insanity of this current world because you know folks can come in and steal and, and moth and rust us corrupt and destroy. Amen. But make sure that your focus and make sure your treasures are in heaven. Make sure what you do for Christ will last. Amen. It was a heart condition. But then, interesting, the master Remember that the Gospel of Matthew is written to portray Jesus as king, right? So the king of the kingdom is telling us a lot about what's going on in the world. He's telling us about how citizenship should work in the kingdom. And he's also saying that there are many different aspects of the kingdom as it is being built that you should be very aware of. That's why it is the practicality of Matthew chapter 6. 
Even though this chapter is nestled within a bigger body of work called the Sermon of the Mount, which is also 5, 6, and 7, there is practicality in this chapter because it culminates, amen, when we get right around Matthew 6 and 33. Let's look a little further now what the master, the king, has to say to the citizens about the kingdom. He looks in the text and he says, uh, the lamp of the body is the eye. Hmm. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So he, he wants us to uh, focus on the eye. What is it that you can actually see? Are your eyes capable of receiving the light of God? Amen. Or as this text says, is it full of darkness? In the book of or the epistle to the uh, Ephesians, Amen. Paul the Apostle was praying a prayer, amen, that seems to be parallel in chapter 1 and chapter 3. And in that prayer, amen, Paul the Apostle asked the Lord God, the Father, to open the eyes and to enlighten uh, the eyes so that we would have understanding. That lets me know that when Jesus is saying what he's saying here, this is not something that we can do on our own. We can't make our eyes be enlightened. It is the Lord that has to open your eyes. But look at the text. Look at how metaphorically that the master uses the eye here. He says, but if the eye is bad, if it's a bad eye, if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. He's saying there's no light, there's no light that will enter in. I, I want you to know that the master is not talking about uh, these two optical systems that we have that we call eyes. Not the ones that we can see in this physical world, but it's the eye of your soul. When the eye of your soul is dark and no light's getting in, he's saying, oh, how dark and how full of darkness that soul will be. He says, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. You know, when we look at this text, amen, I am, I am uh, reminded, amen, that uh, the ability to see and to receive the light or not to see and to be dark and full of darkness is not predicated on your socioeconomic level, your race, your color, your creed. It's not based on your family relationships. Amen. None of that makes a difference. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 9, he said, all Israel is not Israel. Just because you are a biological descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob does not mean you have the promise of the people of Israel. If your trust and dependence is not in the master 
Amen. You are not here. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Paul the Apostle says it even clearer. Amen. In the eighth chapter of Romans, when he said, if you have not his spirit, you are not his. And I tell you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, enlighten you, you will be dark. And sometimes uh, we, especially us as believers, we we, we, we get some mixed signals because we, we have a loyalty and allegiance, amen, to two worlds. Uh, a lot of times we have an allegiance to our family world as a whole, and then we have an allegiance to our church family as a whole. But the trouble comes in when we're dealing with family that's not really family. They may be biological. They may even have membership in your church. But the true family is the family of God. That's the family that's going to last for the lifetime. Unfortunately, just like in the days of Noah, there are going to be some family members that won't be in the ark. You know, I, um, I, I wish that I could say that that wouldn't be the case. But the road to destruction is broad. And narrow is the way that results in eternal life. And few find it. So don't look for uh, throngs and throngs of people, the majority, to be pushing into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is really a remnant uh, uh, proposition. Amen. And so what happens we, we're dealing with these dark folk and we're dealing with the folks of the light. Amen. Nothing to do with skin color, but all to do with the light of their souls. And so we're, we're, we're fighting. We're fighting this battle of loyalty to family and, and, and friends. And then we're fighting the, the battle of loyalty to the church. And sometimes we get our signals messed up and we end up being loyal to family, but they're not the family of God. And I want you to know, just as the epistle of Ephesians said, that those who are not in the ark of safety, those who are not getting the light of God in them, they're thrown to and fro. They're, they're thrown on every wind of doctrine. Amen. And they're also under the mastership of the prince of the power of the air. That person is Satan. Just because you love them, just because they're part of your blood family, does not mean that they're part of your spiritual family. Unfortunately, amen. And so it's a sad state of affairs, but you've got to be careful. You've got to watch how you coddle those who, even if they're in your family, that don't know the Lord. Because if you're not careful, they will carry you out into the ditch. Amen. Because they don't know the master, so they're not going to be able to function under the auspices of the master. That the Bible says that Jesus was given as head of the church. Amen. He is, have all authority over all things, but he has given authority to Satan to be over those who are outside of the family of God. So you got to be careful that, that, that you got to love them, amen, but you got to be careful how you coddle. You got to be careful how you set your allegiance because before you know it, you're on the right road and then the next thing you know, you're off track because they are following another master. 
Look at the text. It says no one can serve two masters. You either uh, uh, hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Sometimes, amen, in the frailties of my own humanity, I wish that there was a gray area, that there was this area of margin where we could kind of work some folk in that weren't quite working with the Lord, but, you know, I, they, they're pretty good folks from human standards. But God doesn't work that way. It's black and white. You cannot serve two masters. You're not, you're not one foot over in this camp and one in that one. No. You, you either hate the one and love the other. And unfortunately, we have folk all around us, amen, in our families and out, folks that we care about, some of them are serving a different master than we are. We got to love them. Yes, we do. That is our call. We got to pray for them. Amen. We got to share the gospel with them. We've got to live a life of holiness in front of them. Amen. That peradventure God would open their eyes. But it's only God that can do this. We can't do it. No matter, we can talk to them till we're blue in the face. And we will make no difference unless the Lord opens their eyes. We can come with waxing eloquent with speech and we can say all manners of things of persuasion, but you cannot change a stony heart into a heart of flesh. That is the Lord's job. Amen. Our job is to witness and to work and to worship and to pray. Amen. But it is God's job to change lives. Amen. But we must be careful and be on guard. We must be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Right? We, we, we don't need to be harmful as a serpent and wise as a dove. No, we need to be wise as a serpent, and a serpent is very wise. Amen. But we need to be harmless as a dove. We don't need to cause them any harm. We need to be in every way a help. But realizing that their help, amen, comes through our interceding and standing in the gap for them. Not that we have the power to override their dead souls. Amen. Because it is God who quickens. I, I want to bring that up because a lot of times we, we can get in that tug of war. But be careful. Because at the end of the day, your true and everlasting family is the family that knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is, it is our prayer, amen, that all of our family be saved. I mean, that, that would be crazy of us not to want to have that. We love our family, amen. But we got to be wise, y'all. And we got to understand that there's no gray area. You either serve one master or you serve the other. Amen. There's nothing else to do, amen. It's black and white. Look at the text. It's interesting that he brings up that you cannot serve God and mammon. He talks about the two masters, amen, but then he talks about God and money. He, he talks about mammon. He talks about uh, this, this uh, um, 
form of a marketplace bartering, if you will, this, this form of exchange called mammon. He, he, he used the word mammon, and mammon has the connotation of something that is evil. It, it, it's evil. And so God is saying, you, you can't, Jesus is saying, you can't serve God and serve this evil money. You can't, because it is the love of money that is the root of what? All evil. Uh, it ain't money that's the root, it's the love of money. It's the serving of money instead of money serving you. Amen. Amen. Because God has given us money, but he's never said that money should be our master. God says, I'm a jealous God and I will have no other gods before me. And one of them gods is money. He's not interested in that either. Amen. Amen. But then interestingly, Interestingly, God does a little transition here. Look at the text. Okay, we're talking about these dark-eyed folk and then the ones with the light, then those you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and money. And then he gives a transition. He gives the word, therefore. And I've said on multiple occasions, when you see the word, therefore, you must ask the question, what is it there for? Therefore, after considering all of the things I've said, that's what Jesus is saying, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Stopping right there. Jesus said, now therefore, after all of what I've said and you've heard, it just makes sense that you shouldn't worry about your life. Because if you've been listening, you realize that it's all in the hands of the master. Uh, that which is going on, amen, that which is black, that which is white, that which is evil, that which is good, amen, that which has a heart on treasures on earth, those in heaven, it's all under the auspices of God. And then he says to the believer, he says to the citizen of the kingdom, stop worrying. Stop, stop worrying about your life. What, 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 what? Stop worrying. If I'm the king of kings and lord of lords, why are you worrying? He says, look, he says, uh, uh, he said, what you will eat or what you will drink, know about your body which, and what you will put on it. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says, you are worrying about carnal things. He says, that is not which is going to make it through the fire. He says, is that all you are? Or all you is when am I going to get my next meal? Or all you is what am I going to put on today? Uh, it's hot today. I need to put this cool outfit on. Or it's warm to, uh, cold tomorrow. I need to put something warm. Or will I have something to wear at all? He says, is this what you have whittled your life down to? Is it just down to the carnal side? Is it just what I can eat and what I can put on? He says, that's not the totality of who you are. As, as, as the reality is, the people that we see in the room, those we can see with the eyes, what we are really seeing is a shell. 
We're seeing a vessel that carries the real you. The real you is on the inside. The real you is in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Because it is the spirit that goes back to God. Paul the apostle said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You present with the Lord when the body is somewhere else because the body is just the vessel. It's not the real you. Yes, it's important, amen, because it's carrying the real you. But Jesus does not want us to get caught up in carnal things. He's saying don't get caught up in the horizontal of the everyday drag, amen, of trying to eat and trying to have clothes and trying to have shelter. He said you are more than that. You are eternal beings, amen, in the spirit. And you have a job to do. You have a role to play. You have a commission that has been given that supersedes eating a lunch, eating a dinner, eating a breakfast, amen, and putting on some clothes. Amen. Look at the text. He says, look at the birds of the air says, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? The Lord is saying, I need you to stop for a little while and consider who you are and whose you are. He said, I want you to consider the complexities of what I have built in you. I, I've given you an abstract and a concrete mind to ponder these things. And he said, do some observation. Amen. Think about the complexities of yourself and then think about the birds. The birds, you don't see them running around or wiping their brow and going to the, uh, the local doctor to get some pills for stress because they're wondering where they're going to eat today. No, they just go and God provides. Amen. And he says, now, if I do that for the birds of the air, are you not worth more than them? He said, I, I didn't when I came and I died on the cross. See, see he going to get ready to die after a while. He, he's come to die and he didn't come to die for the birds. Amen. Sister Williams, he came to die for all humanity. He said, are you not worth more? And they never worry. They never worry about, am I going to eat today or not? Am I going to have a place to rest my head? They just do what God has called them to do. They sing their songs and they fly their flights. Amen. And miraculously and astonishingly, God provides. He brings them worms and whatever else they need to eat. And they continue to live on. And if he does that for the birds, surely he would do that for those to who he's come to die for. Amen. Amen. Look, at, look at the text. Look at the text. He says, he says they, don't, they, don't, they don't sow, nor do they reap. They, they don't gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. See, they don't do all of that. They don't, well, we got to save up for the winter. We got to... We gotta, we gotta get our 401ks together and we gotta, well, is our pension still gonna be working or is the government gonna shut that off? See, birds don't worry about all that kind of stuff, right? 
They just live and God provides. There's a lesson here, amen, that even in what we do do, we don't need to worry about any of it because in the first place, it is God who provides. I, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody today is dealing with some mountains. Somebody today has some stuff that's way bigger than they can handle. There's some stuff that appears to be in their way that's stopping their progress, and it's so big they don't know what to do with it. But today I encourage you to let the Lord have his way. And the Lord gives us some instruction in here. Let's go a little bit farther to find out what we ought to be doing while the Lord moves our mountains. Let's look at the text. Um, he says, he says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? He says, after you get through worrying and toiling and turning and spinning, are you any taller? One cubit, uh, a foot and a half. You're going to be a foot and a half taller after you worry for the next six months? I, I contend we might be a foot and a half shorter. Amen. We might worry the calcium out of our bones. <laughs> uh, running around here worried about stuff that ain't for us to deal with anyway. It is the Lord's, right? Amen. Uh, 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 David said when he was messing up really bad, he said his bones waxed old. I mean, I, the, the envision when he talked about that is David just shrinking down and just shrinking down and shrinking down. Because he was trying to do something in himself that he should have given to the Lord a long time ago. And, and I wonder uh, for you and I, are we trying to do some stuff and we've been doing quite a while now that we should have given to the Lord long time ago and it's about to break us down if it ain't already broke us down it's on the way to breaking us down amen but there are things in this world that are god-sized problems and god allows those problems into our lives so that we can learn how to give them to him that we can learn that after we bump our heads against them and try to move it and, and, and throw our backs out and, 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 and tear our tendons and all of this stuff and, and mess up our joints, that it was too big for us in the beginning and we should have gave it to the Lord in the first place. Amen. Amen. And, and so when we look at the text, we're not going to grow any from worrying. We're not going to get stronger. We're not going to get taller. We, we might mess ourselves up and get sicker. Amen. And get weaker. Amen. Amen. So look at the text. So, so then the master, the king of kings says, so why do you worry about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. He said, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Lord said even the delicate lilies, amen, beautiful as they are, amen, he says I have created them to be what they are and they just be what they are. They don't worry about, well am I going to still be pretty tomorrow or am I still going to be pretty later today? No, they just do what they've been created to do and they live moment by moment. But they don't worry, they don't toil, they don't spin. So it is another lesson for us. We just got to live moment by moment. 
Amen. We all we got is the next moment until God calls us home. Amen. That's too much stuff that we put on our shoulders that we don't really need to bear. We got to give some of this stuff to the Lord. Amen. Look at the text. He says, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He says that you watch this thing. You, you watch the grass grow and the, and the mowing uh, yard cutter or, or yourself go out with a lawnmower and cut it off. But it, it don't last that long, but you never see it tall and spinning or worrying. Amen. Even though its life is much shorter than yours. Its life is designed to be cut off. Amen. It goes through times of dormant and times of greenery. So if the grass and the, the flowers and nothing like that, the birds not worrying, why are we worrying? Amen. His crowning creation worries more than any other creation, any other created creature in the world. The one who should worry the less worries the most. That's what Jesus is saying to us. And look at the text. Look at it. He says, now, after all of that, he says, you little faith. He says, therefore, don't worry. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. When we're worrying, we are no more than a Gentile. We're no more than an unbeliever when we're in worry. Because if we're worrying, amen, that means we're not trusting. Amen? And we are the folks who are supposed to be trusting in the Lord. So if we're worrying, we look just like the heathen, the pagan, the outside, the one who's outside of the commonwealth of Israel. Are y'all following me? Amen. So we look at the text. Amen. And we see, he says, uh, uh, for after all these things the Gentiles see, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The Father knows what you need before you even ask, Jesus said. So while you're spinning and toiling, the Lord knows, and he knows when he needs to give it to you as well. But this, the culminating verse, of this practical text comes in 6 and 33. But instead of worrying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, uh, we, we got to take our trouble uh, one day at a time. Amen. And, and while we're taking our trouble one day at a time, the Lord saying do something else first. Before you even get into that, I got something else I need you to do first. If you look at Matthew 6 and 33, the crux of the matter is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
See, we're too much seeking the kingdom of this world and its concerns instead of the kingdom of God. So many times we forfeit opportunity to do the kingdom of God because we're worried about the kingdom of this world. And so we spin and toil and we stress out because our minds is in the world instead of in the kingdom of God. God said, no, let me handle the world. You seek me and what I need you to be doing. Amen. And sometimes we say, Lord, no, I hear what you're saying, but I got this. I know this needs to have priority over what you're talking about. We may not say it just like that, but our actions speak louder than words. We put God's stuff down and pick up the world stuff and run off with it. Amen. And all we do is get gray heads and high blood pressure. Amen. And sickness and strain because we didn't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's saying, no, take care of my business. Take care of the business of the kingdom. Take care of sharing the gospel. Take care of feeding the poor, of, of, of giving food to those who are hungry, of clothing those who are naked, of going out and having good religion. And guess what? While you are doing those things, I will take care of your things. Is not not what the text says? He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Who is it that's doing the adding? It's not you because it's being added unto you. By implication, God is adding everything you need while you take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. Are y'all following me? That's what the Lord is saying. You take care of my business first and I'll take care of yours. Because I've got authority over all things. Amen. Over the church and the world. He says, I know your needs before you even ask. Amen. You get me first and I'll get the rest. I can do things that you never, ever, ever, ever would be able to do. I got places I can go that you'll never be able to go. I got resources I can bring that you don't even know exist. So I tell you again, says the Lord, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, all the, the money and the, the housing and the clothes and the, the relational issues and, and everything else that you're dealing with, he can fix that for you. But he wants us to be laser focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. The doors of the church are open. Uh, there may be somebody here today, amen, never ever to take for granted that everybody who's been around church has accepted Christ. Amen. If you, if, if you know that you're not in the ark of safety, that your relationship is not right with the Lord, here's the time to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Lord, to turn me around and to place my feet on solid ground. Uh, it's the time to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And then you shall be saved. He says, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Because after all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the whosoever's that believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Oh.